October 1, 2021. So what for Pedro's show?
show John Coltrane Miles Davis doing all blues then uh, Vasari with Al Janier's Flay and uh, due to those Estonian software engineers with Skype Adventure I have with me John Charles Vasari welcome aboard thank you so much for having me absolutely deja vu all over again we got to thank Adam Hawker for making the connect thank you brother Adam uh I love this uh, stuff he said, and he, he said you had a profound effect on his musical journey. So I want to learn about your musical journey, uh, uh, Jean-Charles. Please bring the earliest memory you got about music. Oh, my uh, earliest memories are my first singles, I guess. So the first thing I was into, I was maybe nine, was the uh, Buggles track, Video Kill the Radio Stars. 
and sure. um, he actually and was in that is, band. Uh, God, what was the, what were they called? Yeah, Swell Maps. Sure. Swell so Maps. Trying, so he would. No, nah, he was in Swell Maps, and then he went and did a solo thing. And uh, yeah, was he? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, That's interesting. Swell Maps was a great band. It was two brothers. Oh yeah, right? I love them. They're fantastic. Uh, Epic soundtracks and Nicky Sudden. But uh, go on. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's that. And then, um, then uh, it, it all started with a uh, postponed, but in a very uh, uh, how could I say that clean way. I listened to Captain Sensible before even knowing about the Damned. I listened to. Uh, to Duran Duran before even knowing about other artists which were which became really important and I started playing music when I was in high school and I came across in the meantime with of course uh, The Cure, Joy Division and all these bands more on the Brit side at the time I discovered what happened in the US afterwards what, what, town, what town in France did you grow up? I grew up in Paris oh I grew up in big Paris. town yeah okay yeah. And in the at the time there was no internet so it was all you had to rely on oh on yeah the I remember I was there too although I gotta tell you Jean Charles the first release by Rough Trade Records was a French punk band called Metal Urbain Metal Urbain of course yeah. I know yeah, yeah. The, the city boys right and this 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 I ha I got it right when it came out just to see what it was about and it was great I and mean, they, were, they yeah. were singing French and uh, so there's some roots uh, going way back in this house in Paris that you grew up in was there musical instruments no uh, so my parents lived in the suburbs so I did I did go to school in Paris which is why I consider myself being raised in Paris but unfortunately I was commuting every day uh, there was no musical instruments at the time and there was no stereo so I really had just a little cassette player um, in my bedroom to start with, and then I had a Walkman because it was Walkman time. Could I ask uh, you the first record you bought with your own money? Yes, you can absolutely ask me that. Uh, I, I do think I might have bought the first Duran Duran album. It doesn't make me proud, but that's how it is. I met the bass man, John Taylor, a really good musician, yeah. a great guy. He lives in SoCal here. I met him at Claremont's at a book thing okay. for uh, 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 Mr. Uh, Letham, Jonathan Letham. That's how you pronounce it. Okay. Now, okay. Uh, now can, can I ask you, uh, at school, were you in the choir or the marching band, or was there any kind of music program? Interesting. We don't have we don't have that in France. School in France is quite different from the U.S. Um, I. It's interesting that you. I have to go way back because, and again, I was in a choir at some point when I was living in uh, in Reno, uh, Nevada. And uh, it was the church choir, but that's what I found to escape the boredom that I was feeling with what was going on in church. So I would sing um, religious things, and um, and yeah, that's when I that's when I started singing. Actually, I never thought about it this way, but it is when I started singing for real. Well, John Charles, I, I got to tell you, a lot of rock and roll comes out of the church. The early guys in the fifties, yeah, yeah they all learned how to sing in church. Uh, can I ask you the first gig you went and saw? Yes. <laughs> well, uh, the first real gig I went to see was Duran Duran when I was in Reno, so a massive arena, but I, I don't have that many good memories. The first important gig for me, I was 16, not even, I was 15. Um, I went to see a, an Israeli band called Minimal Compact, whom I, I'm still absolutely fan of, and I think they were fantastic. Colin Newman, uh, the, the bass player... Um, Malkesh Pigel, she's a, a Collins Newman partner. So that's they do a lot right, of, that's right, that's right, that's yeah. right. A big hero of mine is Colin Newman. Newman. 
thought yeah, she was a Belgian of, lady. Uh, well, they lived in Holland. Uh, oh, okay. They're all from Israel, yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. She's except, great, except great lady, great musician. Colin Newman, a big hero of mine. Uh, I think they live oh, in Bright, uh, Brighton, England right now. Yeah. Now, uh, the first musical instrument you picked up, Jean-Charles. First musical instrument I picked up was a guitar. Uh, there was, so you asked me if there was a musical instrument at home. There was, and, there, and it had been there for a long, long time. But I did not pick it up until I started getting into the music that has founded my taste, which is basically post-punk and then punk and all that. But it was a classical guitar, so very thick neck, um, nylon strings. It was, uh, it was interesting for me because I think I approached this guitar I was already playing like I'm playing now, using a lot of open chords, and I don't do strange tunings. I always go with the regular one, but still, I'm using a lot of the strings, the uh, open strings. And so I was playing like that then. I was not really into guitar that much, and I, I, I stayed with the guitar until the end of high school. And then, if you can believe this, I started learning to play the accordion. Yeah, I can believe it. My organ man started off at accordion, but he's from, uh, there you go. his parents were from Croatia, so yeah, Eastern Europe thing. Can oh, I ask you, you yeah. about your guitar learning? Did you take lessons or are you self-taught? Mostly self-taught. But what happened is, so I, I started playing the accordion when I was in my early 20s, uh, maybe even before, yeah, 19. And it drove me towards piano and organs and harmoniums, which I still play nowadays, not as much, but I still do play them a bit. Um, and I had a long go with a band uh, whom, of whom I sent you one track, I think, Hurleur. That was my first band. So I played mainly keyboards there. And then when we split, I decided um, I had started playing some guitar, but I, I wanted to get more into guitars. So I did buy myself a guitar. And I started taking courses with a with a guy who was really influenced by Robert Fripp. So it was interesting because his, his approach was not traditional, really. Not at uh, all. And at this point, you got an electric guitar, right? An amplifier. Oh yeah, absolutely. I bought I bought myself a, a nice electric guitar. I always wanted to have a red Gibson, so that's what I got. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, and but I only took courses for three months, and then from there, I just learned, taught myself, really. Yeah. That's okay, because you play very well. And, and you know, there's a lot cool. of different paths to where we get to, right? I, I'm just curious. Exactly. I'm just curious because, uh, yeah, my mind reading, I still got to use words, so I'm going to ask you questions. But, but there'll come nope. a point where I'll just grab the thoughts right out of your head. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Reno. So when was Reno in your uh, French life? Um, it, well, I, I moved to Reno for a year when I was 13. Um it's a it's a long story that I'm going to cut very short because okay, that's not that's that. Okay. But but um, my parents were friends with this couple and they were coming every summer. And one summer they came over and uh, unlike the other summers, I was still at my parents because it was during holidays. And they just offered to take me back with them. Well, to have me come over because they didn't take me back. They went on a European trip and then they went back to the U.S. and they just invited me. So they got me a visa uh, of course, a school visa, and they had me in their house for a year. And it was quite, for me, it was very, uh, um, it's a very important year in my life because, first of all, it brought me the knowledge of English the way I speak English now. Um, yeah, very good. 
Thank you. But uh, it's uh, a, an understanding of English, which uh, is different from what you learn at school, of course. Yeah. And it introduced me to American culture or no culture. Being in Reno was a little weird. But then, <laughs> you know, I played I played Dungeons and Dragons with my friends. I went to 7-Eleven, play Star Wars arcade games. Um, I was It was uh, the, the best experience of <laughs> you can have when you were 13, especially as a French boy. Absolutely. Um, so it was fantastic, and I, I, my ties with um, the father of that family were really strong. Uh, I've, I've, I've been seeing him. I, we lost touch because when you're a teenager, you don't write that much. But we lost touch for a bit, and then I managed to reconnect later on in my life. And from that moment, I went to see him as often as I could uh, until beautiful. recently, that's because beautiful. he passed recently, unfortunately. But yeah. but that's really beautiful. I love that. It's all about people at the end of the day, huh? Exactly. Look, it's you all gave about me this fun. music. Uh, your first band, the Hur Hurlers. Hurlers, yeah. Hurlers, yeah. It, it, it works. In English. Hurlers, yeah. <laughs> okay. Doesn't mean the same thing, but it does work. Yeah, yeah. I understand. <laughs> Sorry. Let's listen. Je n'ai rien 
distance and loom overhead. The once clear sky is now blanketed in darkness. It hangs heavy above us all. Here comes a storm.
Life's a hack of unity Now I make to win Social anxiety Sickness of missed opportunity Magazine hoarder Cause if I had my way I'd pedestrianize And they wouldn't advertise Either Any good news about Bad habits Bad habits There's no future, no future And England's dreaming England's dreaming England's dreaming England's dreaming Once I had community Now I make do with social anxiety, a sickness of missed opportunity.
cartes postales qui racontaient ces choses que j'avais bien aimées. for Pedro show that chunk of music started off with the hurlers dance tone samail yeah which means uh in your sleep yeah right and uh brand new from uh slwcc watt the project got a collab with uh, sam lockward iowa city here comes a storm we did a cassette ep and it's got 45 songs Really tiny. Oh, wow. Yeah. Then Neil Turpin out of Leeds. He's he's a drummer man, but made a record where he plays everything. 
This is brand new, kick in the can. I love it. Los Remedios out of uh, Barcelona, new proj. Uh, Brother Nilo there with frustration. Bombas Prendon out of the DC air with Red Bull and Kafka. Lil Rabbit from Up Around the Sun. This is Tim Kerr from the Big Boys, new proj in Austin. And Vermes Dolimbo out of Brazil with Doi. And Versari with Brulee. Okay, so let's continue uh, the adventure. So this first band, uh, you're playing keyboards. Now, now yeah. is, is this your band, or is this a band you joined? No, no, it, it was always my band. Oh, okay. uh, I, I started it. I made it evolve into what it became uh, with time. And um, no, it was my band, yeah. Okay. Uh, do you remember the first uh, Hurler's uh, gig? Oh, yes, very well. well bring it. It was it was a time where there was a in Paris there was a nice indie punk scene and not punk in the sense of rock and roll punk it was they called it alternative punk and it was easy to play shows so we fortunately the first shows we played was were in a bar around the corner from where I worked at the time I was uh, I was selling books in a big library but. Um, I, that's the place I was always going for my coffee. And one day I just asked if he would have us for a show. And he said, oh, yeah, sure, come over. And we played there for a, a full week, a full month, sorry, every Friday or every Saturday, I don't remember. It was always interesting. It was challenging. It was uh, it was very acoustic at the time what we played. And, uh, and then after that, we were lucky enough to play in a nice, very nice old strip club that's in the, the equivalent of the Red District of Paris. But that it turned into a nightclub, and uh, you're talking it was, about up by uh, Moulin Rouge. Yeah, near, nearby yeah. the Moulin Rouge. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. The place was called New Moon, and it was absolutely fantastic. It was surreal, and I saw fantastic shows there, punk shows, everything. It was a great place. Paris was quite different at the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, th you know, things go through the changes, and, and there usually is a golden period, right? Yeah, um, exactly. The gentrification is not helping much. Uh, right, right. Any big city in the world, unfortunately, it's not just us. Absolute, absolute. Like art, artists create these spaces that people with money covet, but as soon as they sterilize it, as soon as they buy it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really how it happens everywhere, and it's happening exactly the same way here. Okay, okay. Now, let me ask you about the material. Okay. Was it original? Were you writing material for this band, your first band? Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I was uh, writing everything. I mean, I was not offering parts to to the musicians, but I was I always came with the structure and and the lyrics at least to certain advanced to a certain point. Um, that's one thing that's changed a lot with time. With this band, towards the end, we were starting to experiment a little. But uh, with Versari, the band uh, with Lorne and Cyril. We have a connection that goes, we're very good friends. I mean, I even consider them family rather than just friends. And uh, we, um, most of our tracks are born from playing together. We don't do improv. We don't do scales and stuff like that. But we do free improv. We, we start with ideas. We, we start playing together. And then things always pop up. And that's how we compose. Uh, so I, I, I would say my, my work with writing music for Hurleur was more not to I was not trying to direct everyone, but I was the creative source. Whereas with Versari, it's really a, a band thing. Do, do, do both bands share 
any common members besides yourself? Oh, no, absolutely not. So there was no like evolution from hurlers to Vasari. Vasari was just no. a whole new thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, it's connected because they know each other, but Versari, the hurler story didn't end well. We got, they, at some point they, they were, they starting, it was complicated. It was like a long relationship that what turned sour, I would say. And, um, but I met Cyril, uh, uh, Versari's drummer while I was still touring with hurler because he's, uh, as a, for a day job, he's a tour manager. So he tour managed us on a big tour. It was nice. And I really connected with him right away. And I remember very well being on that tour and saying, when this band is over, because it's going to happen, I want to start a new band with you. And I said, oh, yeah, sure. Because we, you know, we were friends. And that's what I did. As soon as I said, well, I'm, I'm over with this. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I called Cyril, not even the day after, I think in the evening or something like that. and said, well, it's done now. Do you want to start a band? <laughs> like we say, the writing was on the wall. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> so you could tell. And and there's nothing about even the best uh, cats with technique in it. They can overcome personal difficulties. Huh? Oh, yeah. 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 No, it was uh, it was a challenging band. I mean, I do not regret working with uh, Hurleur because we did great things. We were lucky enough to tour India at some point. Wow. Uh, it was a really fantastic. We left for India for a month and played nine sh eight shows over a month I would it was a uh, wow hmm? yeah it was quite an experience and because we were of course it was the french uh, cultural exchange you know things they do oh, but the good Calcutta thing and all that that area yeah well it was yeah all of them we went all around india we oh, traveled okay. by plane and we, we did all the major cities but what was good is we were playing for only indian audience it was not for you know french or white yeah experts. yeah yeah it was that all indian in so China. Uh, Jean Charles, that happened to me in China. I went over there, and only one or two of the gigs was actually for Chinese people. I was playing for people who moved over there. Yeah, there you go, the expats, and that's that. That it kind of happened in um, what's the name of that town? Um, the old French colony. I'm missing it right now. But anyway, it was weird because it was in a theater, and the what we call orchestra, which is the ground floor of the theater, was only white people. And then the the level, the upper levels were only Indian people. So, and that's the only place where it was like that. I wow. even said something, and the guy from the culture. It was a form of segregation. Oh yeah, absolutely. But it's uh, it's how you know it's how theaters were happening in the old days. The rich would get the ground floor, and then the further up you went, the poorer the people, the cheaper the the, the seats, and the poorer the people. Now Shakespeare so it was, was opposite, I, right? Because it was a penny to be a groundling, and then the people up in the balcony was the people at the moment. Oh, okay. But that was four or five hundred years ago. <laughs> but I made a comment about this in the. It was not the ambassador. It was the cultural attaché or something. Sure. Was a little pissed off, but he came up to me and <laughs> said, "Yeah, I didn't really like that, but after that, the show was so good." It's all right, but I didn't really like that. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> well, you got to yeah, speak yeah. your mind, right? Especially if something smells yeah, exactly. kind of weird or looks weird or feels weird. Yeah, I don't care. There was a thing in but... Memphis. There was a wrestler, and this is in the early 60s, and they had it all divided like that. And uh, this wrestler guy, he would work the black crowd, and, and in a small way, helped bring. Uh, segregation down in memphis because just, oh that's good that's sometimes beautiful. the arts can you know i i don't think you could be too didactic but if you just hold your values maybe slowly yeah exactly change yeah 
Yeah, because people, in a sort of way, they don't look up to you as an example, but they're going to a show, you're, they're coming to watch you. So if you stand your ground, be human, humane, uh, do that, it changes minds. It does. Uh, and of course, you know, it's what I'm trying to write about in my lyrics and this kind of, and I, I think a lot of the artists I respect are talking about human, human relationships and right. stuff like that. So that is beautiful. Look right at the end of the first hour, October 1, 2021 edition, Peter show special guest, Jean-Charles Vasari. Hold tight for hour two. October 1, 2021, it's second hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
Lock for Pedro show start off the second hour with Adam H. We know him. Ethica, town upstate New York. Well, actually in Greece first. Oh, by the way, people, yeah. that wrestler in Memphis was Sputnik Monroe. I, I, I cool. found a poster for him when I was recording Sam Phillips' recording service with Tab Falco and Larry Mullins for a Christmas record. And they told me the whole story, and it, and it was pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Ben Salter from Tasmania after that sacrifice. Mike Cooper, Lost Steps. He was on the show last week. Great guitar man. Petrified Max. This is Vetus from the uh, last keyboard man. Producer Urinals. The Bat Reconsiders. Kendra Plex with Grass Dance. And then Adam H. again with Sarbanda. Now, he comes to Paris, right? That's how you meet him? Yeah, he came to, I, I met him through a record because I'm a music producer in Paris. That's what I do when I don't play music. I have a studio and I recorded a piece for Riss Shatham. Do you know him? Sure. He's the guy who was not aware of Mr. Glenn Branca doing the same thing at the same yeah. time. <laughs> yeah, we could, we, could, we could say it like that. Sure. Yeah, I think it's trippy. different. It's a different approach. But, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I love both of them. Yeah, same. But in any case, so I rec I was on that I was working on that piece by Rich Adam uh, with it was maybe eight guitars then, and Adam was one of them because he was introduced to him through a friend I think, and uh, and we connected right away. He also just had had a, a little girl that was exa almost exactly the same age as my my boy, and um, so we connected about you know diaper <laughs> stories and and then uh, because I'm. And that brings us back to me being uh, raised partly in Nevada because I'm, I feel very connected to American people. I connected right away and we started speaking music. And, and I just said, well, let's get together. Let's go to the park and take out the kids. So we did. And long story short, again, um, he's in Paris and uh, I'm having a hard time. Um, well, I'm, we're splitting with my son's mom. And before that, Adam was saying, yeah, I'd like to start a band. I'd like to do an album. I have ideas. And I just offered. I said, well, why don't you come to the studio and record some uh, demos, which he did. And then I split with and I was not available to have any other project than my own at the time because kid and complications uh, at home. And so um, once I was single again, I, I said I told to Adam, uh, well, I've got time now, so if you want, if you're still interested in someone doing drones for you, I would be happy to do so. And we start. He said, "Oh yeah, sure." And we started. We saw each other a lot at the time, and we started. We went to a practice room one day, and after two hours of trying things, I said, "Why don't we just record the album right away? Let's just do the thing as as we go. Let's just create the tracks and finalize the track together." So we did. We went to the studio, and uh, and we did this album. It was a uh, what three weeks of work, I think, and uh, and I'm very very happy with the album. I'm still super proud to be part of that project. Adam, your drummer man uh, for Adam's album, John Charles. Your drummer man also. Yeah. Uh, no, I we did some drum machines programming oh, okay. on all the tracks except Saraband, which has real drums. And Saraband uh, drummer is Cyril, the guy who plays drums in Versailles. Okay, I misunderstood. I thought you were like said you wanted to play drums for him. 
Oh no, drones, drones. Ah, drones, D-R-O-N-E-S, yes, yes, yes. Sorry, Adam was looking for someone to play drones. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, big legato tones. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So I I kind of brought some drones in, but I also brought some, I, I, I do a lot of, with Adam, I work a lot with two loopers, and I like to play the same thing, but slightly desynchronize them, so they kind of phase out a bit as, sure, as it sure. goes. Kind of like Steve Wright kind of... Uh, yeah, it has like a, yeah, texture to it. It's kind of like yeah, moving I, I a brick wall texture. one brick at a time, so it doesn't look like it's kind of moving. <laughs> yeah, Can I yeah. ask you a, 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 a drum question? Are the sticks called baguettes? Yes, they are. <laughs> I wouldn't eat them, though. <laughs> but they are, they are called baguettes, yeah. Okay. Look, you gave me this music uh, that you did with a great bass man, Jaw Wobble. Yes, so that's uh, that's uh, another experience. I, um, that, I let, recently let's produced... Let's listen, my... and then you can talk about it, okay? Okay.
everybody party.
Pedro show that chunk of music. He started out with I know Erica Nak Nakas featuring Jawa Knuckles. Knuckles. She's okay. brilliant. So, and then everybody play the alternate uh, version from Sound Watchers. Sons with two U's from their new record, Clarity. The Dolly Rots brand new breed. Have a nice life with Hunter. <laughs> I don't know how that goes together. <laughs> and then finally, yeah. Fruit Key. With 73 uh, Wounded Knee. That's something you flowed to me. But let's first start with the, your experience with John Wobble. Um, so, yes. Uh, unfortunately, I cannot say that I have an experience with John Wobble outside of mixing his bass because I didn't record it. Um, Erica, I produced Erica Nichols' albums, album um, last year during confinement. That was a confinement project. And... Um, she we were working on that track and she had kind of discarded it as for being on the album and i said no i think it's a good track you should we should work on it and we as we were progressing in the in the production and recording well not recording the production we mentioned bass and she said oh i could ask john wobble i i'm in touch with him i said oh yeah sure go for it and he replied very kindly and uh, sent us a, a track and we uh we took uh, we you know, we took some parts and re we worked a little with it, but mainly it's there. And uh, it was uh, it really gave the glue to the track, which was fantastic. Yeah, you know, he's a big fan of Family Man. So my, I got to see Bob Marley once, Family Man Barrett. Oh, my God. 
Wow. Okay. I, I like wow. the way you put it, glued it together. That's what the bass does. People say four-string yeah. guitar. No, it's a four-string drum set that glues shit together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's the frequencies that are not anywhere else. Absolutely. And uh, if, if you manage to, yeah, it brings the glue. And also because it's Jaw Wobble, yes. it gave a, a special group. And we reproduced. We, I had the guy I was working with, because some of the tracks I called in a friend of mine who's really good with electronic music, and I wanted him to bring his input on drum, well, beat machine programming. And uh, the fact, once we had the bass, he found the exact way to bring in the, the, the beats. We, and so it, was, it, it really brought some glue and some, some grand, grandeur, grandeur to, to, the, to that track. It I sounds think. like a beautiful collab, Jean-Charles. Look, tell me yes. about 73 Wounded Knee Fruit Key. So Fruitkey, it's still with my obsession with uh, American artists, I guess. Uh, I met Jason uh, Glasser, who's uh, the main guy of Fruitkey. It's his project, really. It's not Fruitkey was a band for some time, but it's still he still plays music. He used to play in a band called Clem Snide. Do you know them? I remember them. Yeah, they're yeah. from New York, Americana, um, clever, clever. You know, New York songwriting of uh, folk rock songs. And uh, so he was part of the original band. He moved to France uh, and still lives here. And he's a mainly a graphic artist. He, he does more graphic painting. He paints, draws, does all sorts of things in that field. And um, he, uh, I met him through a common friend. And same thing. I called him. I said, well, Jason, let's try to make some music together. And we did. We started, um, well, before that, I, to be fair, I released, well, I have a label, which I started with the guy who plays drums with me, Cyril, and we released his first album. But then once we had released this album, he had to tour it. So we said, well, why don't we play with you? And so this way we can tour it. So we did. And and then from there start, uh, was born the second album. It's really his songs. And he produced it and he made the choice of who to record it with, who to mix it. Uh, so it's really his work, but um, I, I sent you this track because I sing on it. And uh, and what's important with me for me with this uh, project called Fruitkey is that that's where I started experimenting stuff with the guitar, uh, and that's where I started to play the way I play and experiment noise and feedbacks and stuff like that, which to me were very interesting. So by helping your friend. You actually developed your, finding your own voice on the guitar. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's what I would say. Fruitkey was very important for me uh, with uh, the guitar at the time. And I, we already had started playing with uh, Cyril then for the Versailles project, but I was not doing half of what oh, well, I was not doing anything in that sense. I was more traditional with uh, it's like he It's like he gave you the geo. That's the thing about yeah, working with people. It's beautiful. Look, we're at the yeah. end of the second hour, October 1, 2021. This is the Pedro Show. Special guest, Jean-Charles Versari. Hold tight for hour three. October 1, 2021. It's the third hour of the line from Pedro Show.
sans appel Alors on s'est trompé l'époque Et l'on s'est trompé de cité Dans ce pays si singulier C'est sans appel, c'est sans appel Les rois pourtant décapités Une question reste à se poser
te brûle les mains Reviens comme un mort Reviens comme un chien Reviens la fantaisie d'un nom que tu recraches Et reviens l'asphyxie d'un nom que tu rabâches Allez reviens, reviens, reviens-y encore Reviens comme un chien, reviens comme un mort show start off the third hour with Vasari doing non-retour then pet bottle ninja with chocolate with planning for burial out of Pennsylvania with TV glow Stomeli di Isilio the exile song from Jim Dorland and finally Rivienne's Versari I like yeah. the French like leaves off the last few letters Way more econo, so you don't say those N's and S's, right? Huh? Really? Well, the, the N, yes, we do say the N, but it doesn't sound it, it contributes to the sound of the end of the word. But the S, yes, it's silent. We yeah. have a lot of S's, silent T's, yeah, my like, son vu, is, like vu, you don't say vokes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. My son is going crazy with learning French, he doesn't understand what there are letters that should not be said, yeah, but it's 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 econo, you know, it's abbreviated. Yeah. I, lo I like it, it's shorthand, okay, producer man. <laughs> 
you be, you became a producer, man. How did that happen? Did you ever, you never planned that as a kid, right? No, absolutely not. I was always interested uh, being a musician into what was going on in the studio. So I would watch where they would put the microphones, what preamps they would use, even though I did not understand everything. Compressors were a little obscure for me, stuff like that. But I started getting a few gear here and there. So I had a, a home studio that was reliable enough for me to demo stuff or do instrumental music for uh, dance companies or stuff, which I did for a bit. And uh, uh, when when I was, uh, well, it is at some point I realized I could not earn enough money to make a living out of music. It was it got started getting really hard. So I thought, what could I do that I'm still interested in and um, that could maybe bring a little more money in the house? So I, I did a, a, a one year, very intensive uh, music course, um, uh, sound engineering course um, in a place called SAE Institute in Paris. And they, they have a worldwide thing. But for me, it was a very, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful year. I learned a lot. And before doing that, I had already produced an album right before. So I knew a few things. But and right when I got out, because I was already 40, uh, I thought, oh, I'm not going to be an assistant. I'm just going to buy more gear and start a studio somewhere. So I rented a room in the suburbs of Paris. It was quite far away, but uh, we managed to do a little um, studio. And for one year, we stayed there. And I tried things and started understanding what I learned and what I understood before, but experimenting with what I learned. And then the building was sold uh, for destruction, so we had to move somewhere else. And I, I'm, I'm fortunately found a place in Paris. And from then, I've just been recording and mixing albums. In France, the production value is not really uh, understood. There, we have producers um, in the variety world, but not so much in the indie world. Or the indie people will go to American or English producers. They don't necessarily go to French producers. But in any case, uh, I started to work with people who knew me from my bands, people who knew me from what I was doing before and all that. And uh, it, it got very interesting. And I, my approach to working with an artist, no matter what the music is, because I have sometimes worked on projects which I was not super interested in, but I always find a way to pique my interest. Try this, try that, maybe suggest this. And I, the way I see it is I always help people go through the process of making an album or an EP or whatever, but I'm, and I'm really getting a kick out of that. This for me is making music as much as I'm making music when I'm playing the guitar or writing a song. So Charles, tell me your opinion, the difference between an engineer and a producer. Well, if you're just an engineer, which happens to me sometimes, you're, you know, the tools, which are preamps, microphones, compressors, EQs, and all that. And you're going to, people ask you a specific thing to do and you do it. So you engineer, you you place everything the best it can so it sounds perfect in the end and they can go somewhere else to mix it or start producing. The producer adds a point of view in the in the process. He'll say, yeah, maybe maybe that's too long or I don't it can be anything. It can be it, it can be me just going to the guitar amp and saying that that doesn't work with the track. I'll, let me just do the EQ and redo the EQ or something like that. And uh, it's it's having a, a role. It's being. It's not necessarily being given a role because I'm not that often given the role of a producer in France, but I'm, people always look up to me for um, ideas about what they're doing and because they know I'm a musician myself and I do this and that. So I guess it's having an input, um, having a, um, a thought about what you want to hear. And if it's an open dialogue with the artist, then 
you can say, well, maybe we should do it this way so we can do that. For example, I have projects where I'll, I I, re- I mixed an album recently of a French artist, and I th- I said, well, it's I love the, I like the songs; they're great, very traditional French songs with poetry as well, some poems from past you know centuries and stuff. And I said, it sounds you did this with logic with a uh, a keyboard, a Nord keyboard, and there's no organic instruments. And she said, oh, wow, you can hear that. And yes, you can hear it, obviously. And so what I did is I reamped everything. I played almost all the instruments through amps. And every time I would just, you know, tweak the amps, find the right sound and this. And for me, it's production. And I think I'm going to be credited as a producer on this album. So it's nice. But that's, that's production. It's having a vision and yeah. making choices that are not necessarily what the the artist would have done no but you 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 bring in a, a, a aesthetic perspective whereas the exactly. engineer man yes. is more practical uh, technical knowledge mm. yeah okay okay yeah. i want to play this uh ostinato that you gave all me. right Seigneur encore 
battant, les yeux fixés sur le devant, rire aux éclats du temps passé, sentir le sang nous traverser.
final music for this edition, Masari with Ostinato, then God's Teeth in the Interstellar Tropics with Teeth, but with E at the end, so Teethy, Teetha. Teethy. <laughs> uh, uh, from Slovenia, well, it was the older country, because this is 1987, live at Club MC Koper, Trobakova mm. Kushne Pesci with Cowboy Kozak, Cowboy or Cossack, huh? Cowboys. Yeah, sounds like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little Slav version. Beautiful. Ray Shin after that, what a dream for a death day. And then I see Hawks in L.A. with How You Gonna Know. Finally, Vasari, Heartland. So what are you doing right at the moment? Um, we're... I'm 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 feeling a little frustrated for not having been able to play any shows in uh, so many years, and also the album has been out for a year and a half. So, what I'm doing at the moment is trying to. I'm working on. We're playing a show in London uh, in November, and we're going to play. We have. I'm working on a tour in the U.S. Uh, for next April, um, and also we're getting back together. So, this. Uh, has to be said, Laureline, the bass player, Cyril, the drummer, and me don't live in the same city. We live about 300 kilometers apart. So we get together. We don't practice every week. We get together on weekends for three days, and we usually work for three days full on. And then maybe we'll, for example, next month we're going to see each other two weekends, but mostly it's one weekend. So that's when we create our stuff. So we're going to start work. We have started working on new material and we will do more of that in the forthcoming uh, weeks. But uh, we're really at the brim of this. It's really the, the early stages of creating new tracks. Uh, we're, we're made, we're reco- we want to play uh, shows now. We're missing this. So I'm, we're working at finding, working with people who can set up shows in France as well, um, which probably won't happen before next year because of all the bands that uh, were booked before and now it's being postponed, postponed, and now it's yeah, starting yeah, we to... Yeah, we call it a backlog, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, backlog, but, but exactly. Things, but things are slowly going to get better, I think, you know? You yeah, I agree with this. Optimistic. Now, where can people find you on the internet? Do you have a website? We do have a website. It's uh, versari, V-E-R-S-A-R-I dot org. Okay. But we are also, of course, we have a band camp, and I think band yeah, camp yeah, are good. Yeah, yeah, you probably have links at your home, your own. Yeah, yeah, it's everywhere. Everything's on the website, okay. um, and okay. we're, of course, on all the platforms where we're being ripped off by the by, by the capital. But uh, <laughs> yeah. so it is. Good point. Good point. And finally, some advice to people just getting into music, Sean Charles. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> that's a hard one. Everything. <laughs> It's Everything the one from Pedro show. No hard questions, no wrong No, 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 it's fine. It's, I, I like it. I like it, but it's it's interesting because this afternoon I, I saw a friend. He came came by the studio, and he wanted some advice because he has an EP that's going to be out, and then he's got an album that's ready, and, he, and I'm probably going to work with him in the future through my label and through the studio. But And I could totally tell that his experience of the music was already so different from mine because I started playing music late, mid-'90s, early-'90s, actually, and um, things were so much easier. And now an advice for someone who would start music now is, well, if I'm going to give an advice, the, the only advice I can give is be true to yourself. Don't do anything to please anyone. 
because it's, that's, it's but that's shit. great. Anyway. I think that's great advice. I wish more people would take stuff like that to heart because they it seems some people think there's a shortcut and if they just but there ain't yeah. no shortcut. <laughs> so no, there's I, no I, shortcut. I like that advice. And man, when you guys get your new stuff like you're working on together, will you come back on the show? We can play it and talk about it. Oh yes, I would love that. Thank you so much. Really, merci. Oh, oh. People, Thank it's you. been October 1, 2021 edition. Why, Peter, so keep your powder dry.